Good morning for the Met Radio Morning Mixtape. I am Donovan LaCroxy, and debuting on the show, I've got writer and actor Maddox. How you doing? How are we doing today? I'm Jay Maddox. I'm in the place with you. Donovan, I'm so happy to be here. Welcome to Met things? Welcome to Met Radio. Well, I thank you for having me. This is uh this is a lot of fun. I can tell already you've got uh your disposition uh ex it exudes happiness, so I'm having a good time. All right, all right. And where are you from, just in case our listeners want to know? So I'm originally from small town Lewis, Delaware. Uh, it's called the First State. It is where Joe Biden uh, is from. Um, I don't know if that's going to anger certain people, but that's <laughs> <laughs> depending on uh, your listeners. Well, we're um, pretty liberal. We're pretty liberal. <laughs> as, as am I, as am I. But yes, I'm originally from uh, Lewis, Delaware um and it, which is pretty close to a place called Rehoboth Beach when Rehoboth Beach is just a big kind of summer mecca right there so yeah that's where I'm from all right so how did we decide to pack our bags from Delaware and head to California for acting or New York well you know what and that's a great question so I actually flipped a coin and I and LA won the best out of three. That is actually how that worked. Um, I went to college on a scholarship from the actor Charles S. Dutton. There was a TV show called Rock in the 90s that he that was on Fox uh, that he's known for. Uh, he produced things like The Corner. He's an actor that's won Tony and Emmy Awards, done a lot of August Wilson plays on Broadway. Uh, and yeah, I got a scholarship from Charles Dutton. And then I was in college. And then at a certain point in college, I just said, you know what? I think I'm going to, I'm going to have to make a move. And so, yeah, I flipped a coin, best out of three, Los Angeles won, and I couldn't have been happier. Mm -hmm. And Los Angeles won. Did we jump into TV right away or did we do commercials or did we do some background work? So I started out with background work. Yeah, that was, you know, and that's really where a lot of people start, because if you, you know, you've acted in plays and, you know, myself included plays, musicals, dinner theaters and stuff like that, you're still not really prepared for the for what life is like on set. And so, yeah, I the first thing I did was join an extra, join central casting. Uh, and then right away, I was in some films. I was uh, uh, featured a lot because at the time, there weren't a lot of people in Los Angeles that had the hairstyle and I had a headlocks and um, they were pretty long. So I would get featured quite a bit um, to stand out. So I was in a film called Bounce that um, was, that's Ben Affleck and Gwyneth Paltrow. And then I started just TV and it was like ER was one of them. Uh, there was another one called The Jersey that was on Disney where I played. The st I was I was a background actor, but I also was the stand in for um, Lennox Lewis, the boxer um, at that time. Yeah, just a lot of television. And it was great, too, because you can learn, you know, you're, there's a lot of waiting that goes on <laughs> when you're waiting. a background actor. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That well, business is all hurry up and wait. Well, talk to us because maybe there is a younger Donovan that doesn't want to wait and I want to get into Hollywood and I want to get up there in a year. Well, that's I'm glad that I'm glad that you you said that, because honestly, what I'm doing right now is I'm actually I do have a show that I host that I started during the pandemic and the shutdown here in America. And I um, I, I wanted to stay busy. And now that there's a strike, I'm, I'm doing that again to stay busy. And it's called Act Right. And a lot of times I put uh, it's on my Instagram, uh, which you can find at 
Mr. Maddox 7, M-I-S-T-E-R, Maddox 7. But I, yeah, I, if you want to come out to California and you want to be an actor and you want to come to L.A., the best thing to do is join Central Casting or find somewhere that can get you in the mix right away. Because if you come here and you have the idea that you're going to start as soon as you wait and that everybody's waiting with bated breath for you to get off the plane or off the train or however you get here, you know, that's going to give you a rude awakening. But the cool thing about doing background work is you are there all day. And the thing about background work is you're waiting for them to get the next shot. You're waiting for your your job is to wait. And when they say background, you go in, cut, and then you're waiting again. But the best part about that, I think, for anybody to, that's, you know, a burgeoning actor is you can pay attention. If you can pay attention, you can get a good understanding of the mechanics of a set, how that works, and even just who's around, what they're doing. I mean, the, the best part about downtime is you don't have to be down. And that's one of my things. It's like, you know, if everybody else is in downtime. I'm up, I'm looking around. And I think that served me well, even as a background actor. Mm -hmm. And everybody has their different journeys and their different stories. Some make it right away. Some don't. Some take years. Some take 20 years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've been here for a while. And, you know, um, you, you, you've got to you've got to figure out your way that will help you sojourn on. I, I tell people that all the time that, you know, when people say, oh, this person was an overnight success. And, and the only thing truthful about that is that. And the night before they weren't famous and the next night they were because there's a lot of work that goes behind that. As you said, some people come right out and bang, but that's those stories are so few and far between. They're all beautiful stories, but yeah, everybody has their own kind of path. And sometimes it takes a while for it to coalesce. And some people may not want to sleep in their car like Steve Harvey. <laughs> yeah. Now that, that is, that is a man who also had a higher faith because, uh, <laughs> I don't think you could sleep in a car without one. So that's not everybody wants to do that. That is true. <laughs> so some people are going to be tested in different ways that they really want this, right? Absolutely. And, you know, you know, if there isn't a test nine times out of 10, you know, the juice is not worth the squeeze, as they say. Ooh, I like that. All right. So <laughs> is it worth the squeeze with your writing? Are we writing some beautiful projects or stories in the works? We are. So I've been, you know, recently been writing some some shorts. Uh, I'm working on a pilot right now. Um, you know, obviously not giving much too much away, but trying to work on being better as a comedic writer. Uh, you know, I'm not going to liken myself to anybody because <laughs> I just don't even want to do that. But I would say that, yeah, right now, doing some writing, I'm acting in other projects right now. So I'm finishing that because although there is a strike, there are certain projects that you're still allowed to um, to work in and have produced. So, yes, whilst writing my own personal projects, I am also I, I wrote something recently called Watching Paint Dry. Uh, that's a comedy that I'm going to be using to go out in the festivals, hopefully make it a pilot. But as it stands, it's a short piece. And, you know, a lot of times what we do in, I don't say there's off time because really there's never any off time if you do it right. But when things could be slow in one area, 
you know, you pick up the other. And so that's kind of how writing goes for me. I think I'm an actor first and a writer second. Yes. All right. So writing, you like to write more comedy, right? How do we write, you know, funny stories these days when people are a bit sensitive, you know, maybe they're sensitive about, you know, certain issues such as LGBTQ stuff. What do you want to say to that? Well, I would say this. I would say that, you know, to quote uh, one of my favorite movies from my childhood, um, The Crow with Brandon Lee, rest in peace, uh, it can't rain all the time. And I think that that what I one of the things about my life in particular is that it's everybody's got a story and, you know, and your life can be a move. It can be just like a movie. Obviously, we use poetic license to ramp up some of the fun parts. Sometimes you don't have to to talk about the bad parts. I think that um, no matter what part of the spectrum of humanity you come from, there is still one underlying underlying thread that we all share. And that's kind of where that's kind of what I'm what I focus on when I'm writing in terms of my last piece, watching paint dry. It literally is something that happened to me. And once and it was, you know, it was writing. It was catharsis and it was about a very bad breakup that I went through, focusing on a wall in an apartment that I lived with someone in and needing to paint it because that was the answer to me at the time. Now, to me, I feel like anybody can understand that because most of us have gone through breakups and whatever side you've been on, you know, they're not they're not extremely funny. But I think when you get over the, the hump, so to speak, I find that no matter where you come from, you know, what country you come from, what religious background, what your sexual orientation is. I think we all understand the need for catharsis, uh, the need for a good friend and the need to keep moving and and how life will go on, whether you want it to or not, <laughs> whether whether you want things to stay the same or not. That never happens. And I think I like to focus on that part. Of All right. Humanity. All right. So they're 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 not offensive. And if they are, we got to learn how to lighten up, right? Well, no, I would say, well, I would definitely say we could all use a little lightning up here. Uh, I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like I come from an era where, you know, you know, you just there's not as much coddling of the society as there seems to be now. Um and especially when it comes to comedy, you know, the prerequisite is you got to be able to take a joke that I think that now in terms of uh, singling people out and things of that nature, I just don't subscribe to that period anyway. But also, too, I make fun of myself. If anything I'm writing, it's based on my life. And it's the same. Um, I also do stand up comedy. So the thing about doing stand up is, you know, when someone says, tell me a joke, I, I say I don't tell jokes. I. I could tell you my story because anybody could tell a joke, but not everybody can tell my story. And honestly, what becomes a joke is later kind of what I end up writing in, in the form of a, a film. So that's kind of what if you get canceled for telling that joke? Well, you know what? If you get canceled for telling your story, you know, I, I do. I really don't have an answer for that. I you know, nowadays, I feel like you can get canceled for anything. So inst I I'm more along the line of not thinking about whether I can get canceled and just living. I feel like I'm a person who is a kind of like golden rule kind of person, do unto others kind of thing. So there are things that I, you know, I wouldn't want said to me. And, you know, you just live your life like that. You know, mm -hmm. I have also family that went through integration, you know, being being African-American, 
there are things that you hear all the time where you feel like people, you know, people have an interpretation of what they're saying and it may not come off the same way that you heard it or the way that they meant it. I think having that, trying to find common ground is the best in any situation, no matter what side you're on. If you feel wronged, I think it makes sense to see if that was the intention before letting it rule you. And that's the other thing I think is don't let it rule you. And but also, too, if you're wronging someone, look at the common ground and see why, 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 in fact, they might think that you were focusing on them or something of that nature. That That's just my thing. All right. All right. And like you said, you have more stuff you are working on. You can't share too much. I hope you can share one more project you're working well, on. Absolutely. So what I'm working on right now uh, is a film called Hubbard Street that I'm acting in. Um, and I am in this film with Danny Trejo, also Ooh. known as Machete. Uh, yeah, a lot of people seem to know, <laughs> know who Mr. Trejo is. And yes, yeah, so it's uh, it's called Hubbard Street. They are still uh, they are still filming. I have finished my scenes and haven't been asked to go back and insert anything. So I think I'm my part is done. But yeah, it's called Hubbard Street in it and it's based on let's it's based it's it's a it's a story that takes place within the time and the the neighborhoods even of the uh, Richard Ramirez murders that happened uh, in the early 90s in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. So it's not comedy. It's drama. You like drama too. You didn't say that. I thought you were just comedy. <laughs> <laughs> well, had I my druthers, you know, I, I love comedy. Comedy's great. It's a great break from, you know, the, 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 I guess the harshness of reality, but at the same time, yes, um, I'm a, I'm a theatrically cha- trained actor and I do love my drama. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. And we'll look out for that soon. I know with the yes. Hollywood strike and stuff like that, certain people haven't been in production. So hopefully that'll be out soon, maybe before 2024. I, know you I would say. love that. I can't <laughs> say, but I would. Let's just say that uh, I've got my fingers and even my toes crossed. Okay. And what about that project you were in with our friend Kelly Perrine, who referred you to the show, by the way? Well, uh, yes. So, also a couple of weeks right before the strike, I shot uh, my second project with. Kelly Perrine. Um, the original project is, is called Is You Is. And Is You Is is the third installment um, that is, it's a, it's a short project that basically is the third installment in this, in this trajectory of a relationship betwixt these two can, uh, these two characters, Candace and Peter. Peter is played by uh, Kelly Perrine. And Candace is played by Leanne Melissa Bishop, who is also Canadian. Um, and and I play Chaz. I play the friend of Peter who met him when they were teens at theater camp. Yes. And it's a comedy. And it's just, it's literally about love at any cost, uh, if 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 you will. And how it's never perfect, but it, but if it's perfect for you, then that's all that matters. And I, I think that's the best way I could explain that. Um, it's very funny. We've done some great things at the festivals um, that started right before the pandemic. So, I mean, we were actually at a festival. We were at the Idlewild International Film Festival when we got news that the world was shutting down. And so um, after everything kind of opened back up, We've been making our push ever since. 
to get back out there. And we've won a bunch of awards and, and, you know, a lot of them were best ensemble, great stuff, fun, fun material. And I love that. Mm -hmm. Uh, recently Kelly and I just did, uh, his, he's got a new project he's working on called day 474 and the lingerings thereafter. And it is a more dramatic approach to a story and it's dealing with people, uh, what life is like after the shutdown and after the pandemic or the hardest parts of the pandemic. It specifically is dealing with the effects of long COVID and just kind of what it does to people and people getting back on track and trying to get back to life. Um, so it is a dramatic piece. And I play a father who is trying to figure out his, you know, he's having issues uh, with his vision. And his favorite thing is reading to his son and playing his son's favorite video game. And he's very worried because he's a single father who really wants to, you know, have those moments with his son. So some, some deep stuff, you know, we keep it balanced here. We like to mm -hmm. keep that balance. Yeah. All right. All right. And what do you say to those people that are dealing with that deep stuff? What do you want them to get out of the movie? What do you want them to get out of that movie about that single father? Well, the coolest thing about that, about the piece itself, is, you know, these there are different folks who are in the, in the film that are dealing with different aspects of long COVID. And I think that the, the biggest underlying theme is that, you know, we all at any given time can be going through things. And no matter what the situation is, Donovan, you have one, I have one, Kelly might have one, Leanne might have one. But at the end of the day, we're all still humans who are just striving to move forward because moving backward isn't even possible. You know, life goes on and we must go on as well. And I think when someone, the best thing that I think about acting, and I can say this about this part specifically, is it's so, there are so many opportunities to be able to convey through a character how much alike we all are. I think that we spend so much time in this world trying to find differences when science will tell you that we're 99.9 percent .9 the same i mean that's a scientific thing right and what i love about this piece that we're doing there's a lot of um not to give too much away but there's a there are a lot of times when you're seeing in the mind of the people who are experiencing these things it's all centered around kelly's character who has several symptoms, but then personified by these other people who share certain, uh, you know, maybe there's, maybe he has four symptoms and then there are different people who have share, you know, he's having a bit of a vision issue. So I, when he meets me, I'm a guy who kind of, he kind of understands that because he's had that too. And it's, it's, I think it's very artfully done where it just shows how we all are just, and we're just all trying to live and quite honestly, I'd like to live on the side of believing that we're not all out here trying to hurt somebody. Kelly likes to say that a lot. So we're not out here trying to hurt nobody. And I love that because I'm like, you know what? Not, most of the time when I meet people, that is the case. They're not trying to hurt anybody. They're just, you know, they've got their own road to hoe and they're trying to make sure that hopefully they keep their side of the street clean. That's at least what I'm doing. And I think that's what's awesome about this project is, uh, that you'll see that. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And shout out Kelly. Shout out Leanne. You guys have been on the show. Kelly's been on the show three times. And he referred Maddox, our he new did. friend to the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm good. I'm so glad to be here. I've listened to some uh, some of your uh, past shows. And it just everybody seems to have the energy is great. And I can tell that people really you are very well liked, sir. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And remember. 
There's a song, listeners, and we're all in this together. Well, there we go. <laughs> may not be the same situation, but we're all in it together, meaning we're all struggling with something. So actually, we all are in this together, aren't we? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. All right. So what's your message? Because you've mentioned the Hollywood strike a couple of times in this interview. What do you want to tell our writers and our actors on strike? And there's still no sight of end of relief to the strike. Well, I'm. you know what? I stand in solidarity with our with our sister union. Um, I'm a SAG actor. You know, I waited. Um, I did a lot of independent projects, so I waited for a while to make sure that I had bolstered myself to be a part of SAG because it meant something to me. It's been a goal my entire life. And now that I'm here, I want to say, you know, if I'm going to speak for my writers, I'm directing everything to the producers here with what I'm saying. In terms, in, in, when it comes to the writers, if not getting paid correctly is wrong, we don't want to be right. W-R-I-T-E. <laughs> That's actually what I had on my picket sign. And then as far as an actor, you know what? Come on, man. Share the wealth, break the bread, and pay us. Here's the thing about all of this is... And we're all going to find this out very soon if this continues. The game of baseball or a car. You know what the two things have in common? Is not one component could complete the job itself. Baseball is such a team sport. You can't, you can't pitch and be an outfielder at the same time. In a car, you can't just have a carburetor. Like You have to have all of these pieces, all of which have to have equal maintenance, equal upkeep. And I find that that's, you know, my, that's my best analogy that I, or the best analogies that I've come up with thus far about this whole thing, because there are a lot of people that I know, and, you know, including my family back home and everything that don't understand what's going on. A lot of people think, you know, just money hungry. And, but when you really look at what's happening in this situation, the, the, the money that's not being shared. Okay. What a lot of people don't realize is a a lot of actors don't make the $26,000 that it takes yearly in income to even get health insurance. A lot of people don't understand that. I think, you know, there are actors like Viola Davis who has, has before the strike even mentioned how hard it is to be in these businesses and these things that you've loved your whole lives. So you've obviously, you know, focused on that. Um, and didn't focus on the fact that you, you know, honestly, if you want to win something, do you focus on the fact that there's a chance you might not win? No. You go out and you play your hardest and that's what happens. But in reality, I mean, very few people, it's such a small percentage. I think they said like 3% of the actors that are in the Screen Actors Guild make over $50,000 in wow. this business a year. Now, if you think about that, right, if you think about that in terms of how many of them are actually working on large projects, especially because streaming and new media have, they're, I mean, A, they're not going away, and B, they've now been here for quite some time, yeah? I mean, feel like a lot of us have had streaming services and platforms that we've been working on, and as, the, and as time has progressed, so has their, pro, you know, now they're very prolific, they're everywhere. The problem is, is if you're not showing how the breakdown is of the money, fair is fair. And if and if you're not being fair, there's a problem because you can't get anywhere on the road without the rest of the pieces of the vehicle, right? And I find that that's what this is all about is, you know, you can't take away writers. Writers are the people who create it. The fact that writers, some of these writers are living close to the poverty level, let's be honest. It's not cheap to live in Los Angeles. And honestly, 
some of those writers would not be able to work if they were not here because they, you know, that's, you have, you have to come here, right? You have to, or to New York. That's just what it is. And those places have high, um, high standard of living. And I find that it's just, it's preposterous to think that people can work on successful shows that have won a multitude of Emmys, where there's a multitude of advertising money, et cetera, et cetera, going all this money changing hands. And it doesn't even hit the people who are actually working on the shows. That is absurd. Wow. 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 It's kind of like every dog for himself in this industry, every man for themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is cutthroat and it's getting even closer. And, you know, some of the things that we're striking for in terms of the actors, you know, I'm not in the Writers Guild. I am in the Screen Actors Guild. And the things that we're, I mean, for instance, right now they're talking what's what the producers union wants to do is be able to say, say the two of us, you and I, Donovan, are working background. Right. And they want to be able to scan all of the background actors, pay us for half a day's work, and then be able to use our likenesses in perpetuity. Oh, my that, gosh. Yeah. And, you know, we all know you got to pay to play. So every time you and I hit that set, we should be getting our own checks. You like how I rhyme that? There we go. That's, that's wow. what that is. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> And I hope it doesn't pour over into the Canadian side, too, because there's been a birdie flying around. It might even pour over into the Canadian side, too. Well, what I've been noticing is that there is a there is there has been an influx of Canadian television uh, on some of these uh, or Canadian shows that I've been seeing. Um, they, uh, you know, in passing, I'm like, what is that show? I've never even seen it before. And then when it goes off and you see the credits and you see that it was shot in Canada. And um, and I don't know if they're buying the shows. I don't know that much about that part of the business. And I definitely hope that doesn't happen. Um, there are a lot of great Canadian actors that are also part of the Screen Actors Guild, um, you know, that are all fighting the fight as well. And I would hate to see that happen. I love Canada, though. I, I think that you guys are so, such... Everyone I've ever met from Canada has been super nice. I have a friend that I've known for 15 years from Vancouver. It's maybe the nicest person I've ever met in my life. As I said, I've been to Toronto a million times for the for the Carabana and just and also just for vacation. Yeah, so I hope that doesn't happen to you guys because I can tell you we are definitely... Uh, it, we're fighting a good fight, but people are struggling here. I think mm -hmm. they said that... Los Angeles is losing $30 million a day in revenue because the majority of the people that are here are in this business and the business has stopped uh, and people don't have the money to spend anymore. Wow. So I hope that doesn't happen. Well, people that love TV, you're either going to be having to watch daytime stories. Daytime is on a different contract. So Indeed. soap poppers are not affected yet. And I'm going to say Y-E-T. Um, <laughs> <laughs> daytime's not affected yet. And you might have to be watching reality or Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy and etc. for September because it doesn't look like fall shows are coming back till next no. year. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I mean, I've, what I've, a lot of what I've been um, auditioning for recently has been uh, competition series because I also am a host. I, I, I do uh, on camera personality stuff a lot. And, um, you know, I work at the Super Bowl every year, uh, the Super Bowl experience. And I do live stage shows with different players and different celebrities at the Super Bowl. So luckily for me, I have that 
other iron in the fire, but you know, not everybody has that. And I do feel, yeah, we're going to be seeing a lot of shows. I've heard that some of the networks are going to be making some of our already pretty famous shows, RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, to name is is one that I remember being that they were talking about, but they're going to make some of these shows, take them from 60 minutes to 90 minutes to try to see if they can bridge it. They're going to try everything, but we all need to recognize there's a hole in the boat and, you know, you can't just, you can't put your finger in it to plug it. It has to be repaired. The system is broken. Um, the paradigm has switched and changed. It used to be, there was a different business model and now you know, it, because of technology, not a bad thing necessarily, but because of technology, it has changed. And so everything needs to change. The way that the money is distributed needs to be changed and they're going to try everything. So yes, everybody get ready to watch more soap operas or as my grandmother used to call them, her stories. <laughs> she had to get that. She had to get that young and the restless. That was that was my mom's thing. Uh, yeah. So get ready for more of that stuff. All right. Throw out your social media platforms. So you can check me out on Instagram. Uh, that's Mr. Matic 7. Spell out Mr. So M-I-S-T-E-R-M-A. D is in David, D is in David, O-X, the number seven. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter, at jmaddox7. And uh, the TikTok channel is ActRight100. And I'm about to start doing some uh, more of my ActRight show that's normally on the Instagram, but we're going to take it up a notch, and we're going to be talking about acting theory uh, I'll be starting out with the Meisner technique and talking about that um, set protocols and things of that nature. So yes, Mr. Maddox seven, that's where you can find me uh, and some cool pictures of some of the stuff that I'm doing right now. A lot of stuff right now with Danny Trejo. So you can check that stuff out too. All right. For Met Radio, I am Donovan LaCroxy. I would love to thank, thank you so much for being on the show. I'd love to thank actor and writer Jay Maddox. Thank you so much, and thank you to the listeners for listening to this episode.